Happy Red Friday, Chiefs Kingdom. Welcome to episode 12 of Let's Chief, presented by eCoffee, our KC local coffee company, always taking care of us in the mornings, putting the very best and aromatic and flavorful coffees in our cup, beans from all over the world. They get roasted and prepared here in Kansas City and then shipped out to wherever you are so that you can enjoy that beautiful cup of coffee. You can visit them at www.eeroastscoffee. Check out the story, check out the inventory, click purchase, and enjoy that cup of coffee. Trey, we are back uh, to get ready for week 16. Yes, sir. Let's get it. We're going to start off with the agenda, Dan. You know how we're going to start. Week 15, we're going to start with the recap. Around the around the AFC action, man, we should just start this over. Let me start this over. You ready? Yeah. Yep. All right, Dan, we're going to start with the agenda. We're going to recap week 15's game. We're going to jump around the AFC, kind of take a look at the playoff picture, Chiefs injury report, and then we're going to jump into week 16 preview storylines. And then we're going to wrap up the show with the keys to victory. What do the Chiefs need to do to get another dub Sunday, Saturday, excuse me, at Arrowhead? <laughs> yes, sir. So without further ado, let's cheat. Down by Kobe in the first queue. Leave it to my homie on the turf, dude. We got Andy reading plays like he's Einstein. We keep dominating, so they put us on at prime time. Now it's Super Bowl season. Everybody in the city already gone and believes it like Chiefs Kingdom, bring it home. We gon' do it for the city, for the city we love. Yeah. For every time that you break us down, we gon' build the family up. You can't take us down. For every time that you break us, we gon' do something. Oh yeah, baby. Week 15. Let's talk about it, Trey. We made our way down to Houston and it went to Overtime? Huh? Huh? Oh? <laughs> <laughs> End up getting the win. 30 to 24 in overtime. Chiefs clinched the AFC West for a record seventh time. A lot of big things happen with us securing that title. We now enter a four-way tie for most AFC West titles at 15 with the Chargers, Broncos, and Raiders. We have secured the longest stretch of winning in AFC history, winning, and we tied the Rams for second longest divisional championship streak all time, tying the 73-79 to 79 LA Rams at seven. Of course, the most is held by Tom Brady's Patriots from 09 to 2019 at 11 titles straight. Man. Damn. It feels good to clinch the playoffs and get the AFC West taken care of, especially when all those talking heads wanted to just dethrone us before the season even started. Kyle Brandt, Emmanuel Acho, Jamie Erdahl. Bart Scott. Pete Bart Scott, especially. Yes. You two. All of those people that doubted the Kansas City Chiefs, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones, and company, you can shove it. And uh, your employers should do an evaluation because it's the end of the year. All right. You guys need to be evaluated for your takes. <laughs> Agreed. 100%. Feels good to get that out. So Chiefs, they play the lowly Texans. It goes in overtime. 
a lot of contributing factors for that, but I want to start here with Carl Sheffers, the devil himself, who has accounted for over 20% of Kansas City's penalties this season in two games. That's crazy. Flagged us double-digit times, cost us almost 200 yards in penalties. I mean, if there is not a more obvious bias in the NFL. Yep. I, I think I think it was five third downs in a row that there was a flag um, thrown on the Chiefs defense that resulted in a first down for Houston. Yep. Unacceptable. You and that's just the ones that were taken, the ones that were accepted. Yeah, you, you can get away with maybe two or three, but five at that point. There's no you can no longer say that that's just coincidence. I mean, that is a that is a pattern. That is a trend that needs to be addressed. Here's my second point to this, though. As Chiefs fans around the league, we have been known to bitch and moan. (laughs) (laughs) And so I caught myself Sunday bitching and moaning to myself (laughs) and I was like look at look at me look at me go I can't play the part so I told myself I'm done done for the night we won the football game until I heard about all these stats Monday morning and then I started bitching and moaning again look at this shit I mean how do you not get fired up oh no it definitely fires me up um we mentioned it earlier this week in uh, the Fastest 40, the episode dropped on Wednesday. And it was a conversation that I had with a bunch of the guys that we tailgate with, right? We were talking about, like, you know, who holds these guys accountable. Um, they're determining the outcome of too many games. There's an obvious, like, issue here with the officials. And, you know, do they need to bring in guys? Do they need to bring in guys that have actually played the game and make some sort of a – you know, career path to get former players in here to to do the job. I don't know what the answer is, but there needs to be something determined here because there's awful performances going on across the league. And as much as I despise Carl Sheffers and what his crew uh, does on Sundays, I think it's a bigger problem than just him, right? It's It's across the board for the most part we're finding that there's just a ton of inconsistencies and a general lack of understanding of what these subjective calls need to look like. And sure. the chiefs were on a, the poor end of it, you know, say what you want about the refs at the end of the day, we are traditionally, we're a pretty undisciplined team. Right? Yes. In that way for a long time, especially when you look at the secondary, we're really grabby. We like to hook the guys, um, especially when we get beat, we love to make it obvious. And, you know, I think that kind of has painted a picture for some of these officials to call games against us a little bit more strictly. We don't get the laissez-faire calls in some of those situations. Now, I'm not putting all the blame on us for setting a precedent in those areas because this was absolutely ridiculous and unacceptable. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day, we just have to do what we need to do to not let these penalties affect the outcome of the game, right? There were other issues in this game besides the flags, 
that cost yes. for the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, it, it starts with the turnovers. Um, and I think more importantly, it's not us turning the ball over, but it's our defense and our special teams creating those turnovers. Those are monumental moments, you know, flipping the switch on a game where you just got to create turnovers. You know, your your uh, your second, third tackler has to be going for the football, mm-hmm. has to be going for the football. Somebody hold them up, and then the other two or three are trying to knock the football out. Um, there's got to be gang tackling going around um, every single play. I don't want people coming down trying to lay the wood. I want guys gang tackling, going for the football, you know, playing playoff football. That's right. what our defensive teams, uh, our defensive uh, coordinators, coaches, that's what they should be preaching right now, um, how to turn the ball over, how to create turnovers. Anytime you put the ball in Pat, Man- Pat Mahomes' hands, he's going to make um, plays with the football. So the more the more you give them the ball, you know, the more opportunities we have to win that game. That, that goes for any team, really. But, uh, uh, I mean, you, if you look at our defense the last couple of weeks, it's been, you know, five-minute drives, then an eight-minute drive, and they're, they're just dragging the football out. They're dragging mm. their drives out. And, and you know, 13-play drives, and our defense is smoked. And then Pat Mahomes goes out there and has a three-minute drive, and then they're back on the field. And right. um, that's tough to do. And by the fourth quarter, those guys are smoked. So you got to turn the football over, man. Yeah, absolutely. Get some helmets on the ball in that yeah. game playing situation, right? Get some pe- – that was something that I, like, screamed about, not this last week or even the week before, um, but when we were playing the Bengals, I was like, I don't think I've ever seen a Chiefs player try the peanut punch out. Right. seen anybody put a, put a fist into that ball. Um, you rarely see anyone put their helmet into it, and that's really what, you know, can jar it loose and force those turnovers is when – you get that impact there. So um, I I would love to see it. That's for sure. Our turnover differential is negative right now. Um, For teams with turnover differentials of minus three or worse, we are the only one with a winning record. Yeah. can attribute that to Patrick Mahomes. And just once again, from what would have been an utterly embarrassing football loss, uh, to the one eleven and one now one twelve and one Houston Texans. Patrick Mahomes was phenomenal. Showed why he's a top MVP candidate by completing nineteen straight completions to end the game, as well as you know getting us into that overtime situation, and then ultimately you know Jarek McKinnon seals it up for us in that final play. Um, thanks to Willie Gay, you know, to touch on those those turnover things you were looking for, right? We finally get a turnover, but uh, there's actually a funny story about Willie Gay that he, that he came out about. So the refs, he heard one of the refs, this is his account. He heard one of the refs saying blue, blue, which would indicate that it was Houston's ball. So of course, Sheffers and that crew is going to award Houston the ball so that we have to challenge it to review it and try to get the, but Willie Gay then kind of goes heads up, grabs the ball that he already had, and starts running around with it so the other referees can see that he has the ball. Yeah. can see it, and they get the crowd involved in the call. Yeah. So those refs get together. One ref's like blue. The rest of them are like, well, 
White has it right now. So explain that one. We end up getting the ball back. So yeah. I wonder who was saying blue. Maybe his name rhymes with Jarl Jeffers. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but Willie Gay also dropped a classic line and he said, make sure you get them prostates checked. So or Frank Clark did. So something tells me he did a little something, something to get that bulge loose. <laughs> hey, it, it, it's, uh, we talked about it a couple weekends ago in Denver, right, with uh, Alu. He was talking about uh, uh, when he used to get tackled back in high school about all this shit that they, that they used to do to him, man. <laughs> what happens at the bottom of the pile stays at the bottom of the pile, man. <laughs> it's like Vegas, baby. Yeah. <laughs> So you don't bring that shit out with you. Yeah. And, and then just to kind of wrap it up for uh, week 15, Harrison Bucker, what do you think? Is it is Bucker the problem? Is it the injury? Is it the holder? Dustin Colquitt kind of pointed it at Tommy Townsend for some of these issues, saying that, you know, laces aren't facing the right way. He's been missing his marks all year, that kind of thing. Townsend had a rebuttal for that to say, you know, don't listen to anyone outside the building. I don't know who to point the finger at, but something needs to get figured out with these kicks. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if there is somebody to point the finger at, you know what I mean? I, I think there's just, honestly, I think it comes down to the kicker. Um, if you, if you're, if you're batting 75% or 76% is what uh, Bucker's hitting so far this season, then I think you're having some struggles and you can't blame that every time on how, how, where the ball's facing. So I think Bucker's just having his struggles. Um, you know, everybody's calling for Bucker to get released and shit like this. And this dude's been absolutely automatic for the last four or five years. So if he has a slump year and he comes back next year and kicks the ball like he was in 2020 or 21, I'm a player. You know, I, I don't think Bucker's any worse of a kicker now than he was last year. You just got some shit to figure out. Um, as far as Townsend's, you know, comments, like, how, you you can't say that to the OG. Yeah, keep your mouth, keep your mouth shut, man. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm with you there. It's like Colquitt knows what he's talking about. Yeah, right. Yeah, league for what 15, 16 years, something like that. He's with the Chiefs for most of them. Um, he knows what the hell he's talking about, and he's a Super Bowl champion. So, <laughs> moving into the AFC picture. We'll take a tour around the AFC, starting with the AFC West in our division. The Chiefs are 11-3, and three, winning, holding the crown for the AFC West, baby, followed by the Chargers at 8-6, and six, who are holding on to a six-seed in the wildcard race. They take on the Colts this week on Monday Night Football. The Raiders are 6-8, and eight, taking on Pittsburgh on Saturday Night Football, and the Broncos are eliminated from the playoffs at 4-10. and 10. So the AFC West West is getting sorted out one week at a time, but uh, we're finding the cream always rises to the top, baby. And that cream happens to be red. Yeah. (laughs) So AFC West looking looking pretty much over because we won that. But let's look at the AFC as a whole, right? Bills, 11 and 3, they take on the Bears in Chicago. Ravens at nine and five are currently the five seed in the playoffs as a wild card team. Hosts the Falcons, Titans, clinging by a thread 
to the AFC South, hosting the Houston Texans and then the Bengals at 10 and four. Um, they're the three seed traveling to New England with a couple teams outside looking in the Jets at seven and seven, play, facing the Jaguars, who are six and eight. Patriots at seven and seven playing the Bengals I just mentioned, and the Dolphins at eight and six holding onto the final playoff seed host the Green Bay Packers. So a lot of good matchups here that can uh, result in some shuffling in this playoff standing. Maybe a couple more shuffles before we we call it a season. Absolutely, yep. So Dan, let's jump to uh, let's jump to some injuries here. Um, obviously, Ceh still out. Blake Bell. Been out most of the season. Um, not kind of. Sure, I'm not really sure where that one's headed. It looks like McCole Harmon. We should see him suit up this weekend. Is what we're um, what they're kind of leaning towards is um, seeing McCole again. So this is kind of perfect timing, I think, for him to kind of get plugged back into the offense. Let's see him get wrapped up back into the offense. Let's see uh, um, kind of where he plugs back in, get him warmed up, so he's fresh for January. So. I think this is prime time for McColl to get plugged back in here, but. Yeah, no, I mean, I think we need him, right? Our red zone numbers have kind of taken a little bit of a dip. He's, he's been that utility guy for us this year with uh, those end rounds and those sweeps. We haven't seen any of those plays since he's, yep. been, you know what I mean? So um, offense is missing a little bit of that, of that kick, that home run play. And that's kind of what McCole Hardman's been providing since we, we uh, traded away Tyreek. Now, Andy Reid did come out and say Clyde Edwards-Alaire is progressing, um, but it's still going to be a week or two before we see him return to action. And I think at this point, I don't know that we need Clyde to return in a timely manner. We've got a really good thing going with our running game. Pacheco taking a lot of the, you know, the first two downs. McKinnon coming in for the passing down and in the red zone. It seems like things are kind of working out really well. And Ronald Jones even is getting some some carries and some love in the offense finally. And we still have yep. Gordon on the practice squad. So um no, I don't I don't think we we need him. I think there's a good chance we we don't accept that fifth year option either. Yep. No, I, I agree hundred percent. I, I think he holds our bat offense back too much because he holds that one that um first round draft pick over his head and everybody wants right. to plug him in and be the guy. And there's so much focus around him, but with this, these other three, there's so much fluid and, and there's just it's so open, open opportunities on whatever direction we can go with that offense. So, um, yeah, I mean, I hope I like this three we got going on now more than I like the other three. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you there. Um, you know, the running game has shown improvement with these three. I think yeah. you got a hot hand for sure. Before we get into week 16, a lot of Twitter drama going on with this uh Chief Saholic. What's up with our super fans, man? I mean, we can't uh we can't have a non-criminal super fan. Has anyone checked on the lady with the boxing puppets? Does anyone know where the arrow guy is who wore the opposing jersey with all the arrows in it. I just want to make sure that they're not out there robbing banks or, you know, stealing purses in the street or anything like that. <laughs> Are they good people? <laughs> I mean, we're, we're not headed down the right direction here. So, you know, as long as I don't put on some kind of costume or some, sh some shit, then I think I'll check out for KCPD. 
I don't know. I think one of us needs to become the next super fan. Well, I, I, think Strato, I think Strato would be a good ticket if he just never wore a shirt to another game. Ooh, that would be nice. That'd be a spicy super fan. I don't know. Attract a lot of unwanted attention. Had an arrowhead on his chest pointed down to his to his his lower half. His lower half. (laughs) I think he'd get a lot of stares. A lot of people, you know, just kind of looking when he doesn't want him to look. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you'd get little you'd get little Tommy be like, Dad, what is that? Well, that's just the that's Strato, the chief super fan. Yeah, yeah. No, I love it. I, uh, you know, just kind of looking at this whole Chiefsaholic situation. What a movie! I mean, there's actually people out there in the social media world making pictures uh, or fake movie posters of this guy. <laughs> it was like Chiefsaholic, a wolf in chief's clothing, <laughs> like all these funny ass things that they're putting together. For those that don't know, um, the Chiefs have a super fan called Chiefsaholic. It was a full wolf costume with Chiefs gear on the outside. He was on his way to Houston, went missing. No one knew where he was. Ends up he gets busted for armed robbery uh, outside of Tulsa, Oklahoma, on his way down to Houston for the Texans game and is currently being held on $200,000 bond, four felony counts against him all kinds of crazy stuff. And then it just gets crazier and crazier. The more you dig deep, you find out he's been doing this shit since he was 17. He used all this money he stole to make lavish bets and donate to charities, which I guess that part's cool. But now it's like that money's tainted because it belongs to the teacher's credit union that he robbed, like all these different twists and turns. And it's, it's attracted national attention because you got guys like PFT and Pat McAfee and, and, anyone else that has a Twitter uh, commenting on it and sharing stuff about it. Um, you know, it kind of like that makes chiefs fans look like shitty people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the rest of the NFL fans don't think too highly of us anyways. So we might as well ride this train. Let's just be the villains. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. What the hell, man? Someone was explaining a scene. You've seen The Town, right? Oh, yeah. Great, great film. You know that scene they're wearing the nun masks and they pull up on the street and there's that kid. And they just kind of look at the kid and the kid's looking at them. He was explaining a scene where it was like Chief Saholic in his wolf costume pulling up on some kid. (laughs) And then they like give him a turn and stare at him. That's funny. That's just so fucking funny. Yeah. Chiefsaholic. Behind bars. Great guy. We lost Great another guy. one. He joins uh, <laughs> Red Red Menace or whatever the hell his name was in X Factor <laughs> in the Chiefs Hall of Suck. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dan. Launch us into week seven, week sixteen, brother. Yes, sir. So before we get there, CS Designs, Corey Sanders, good friend of ours, good partner, good person uh, to work with. He always takes care of us doing the very best in graphics, videography, photography, and web design. He really, I mean, Trey and I wouldn't be able to do this without him. That's 100% certain. He really does kind of make up a third leg uh, to this team. So 
check him out, www.coreysamesdesigns.com. Visit him on Instagram at CS Designs Official and just check out all the fantastic work he's done. He's worked with big companies like Bass Pro and Vans, but he's also done stuff for local artists, musicians, and just and sports clubs as well to help them create that content and, and that branding and logos and whatever you need uh, to promote your brand. So huge, huge shout out to Corey and everything that he does. He, they really do phenomenal work over there. And Merry Christmas to you, Corey, if you're listening to this one. Yep. Merry Christmas, brother. Let's roll into week 16, Christmas Eve. We get to take on the Seattle Seahawks at home. The last home regular season game that I'll be at um, got a family Christmas on New Year's Day that we're going to be doing. We get to face Seattle Seahawks, a playoff hopeful team. Week 15 for the Seahawks was not kind. Yeah, they lose it out or uh, uh, take a loss to the Niners there. And uh, with that loss, San Fran takes the uh, takes the NFC West. Um, been a tough, tough division this year. Um, those two teams really fighting for it up until last week. Um, Tyler Lockett hurt, hurts his finger, looks as if uh, he had surgery, and he's going to miss some time with that injury. So, I mean, looking forward with the Chiefs, uh, for the Chiefs, you know, that's one less guy you got to worry about. He's such a dagger, you know, being the number two, probably one of the better number two receivers in the league. Um, oh, for sure. So underrated, you know, he's so overshadowed by uh, DK Metcalf, but uh, uh, for the Seahawks, their, their, their chances for the playoffs took a hit. They're, uh, they're in the hunt, obviously still have a chance as we talked about in the fastest 40 earlier this week. Um, they have a chance to still make the playoffs at seven and seven, but um, they got some work to do and they need some favors from, from some other teams. 100% they've got some work to do. And yeah, you know, go back to Tyler Lockett for a minute too. Definitely overshadowed by by not just DK Metcalf, but some of the other receivers that they've had there in his tenure, like Doug Baldwin was kind of that premier guy um, before Tyler Lockett. And, um, you know, before that, it was like Marshawn Lynch and, and that running game and Russell Wilson. So it's never been a situation where Tyler Lockett was really like the top two or three guy, even though he's played like a top two or three guy. You know what I mean? So uh, that's a huge loss for him. <clears throat> of course, he's a K-State alum. So kind of a homecoming for him, so to speak. And uh, his dad, Kevin Lockett, actually played for the Chiefs in the 90s, another K-State alum. He's actually a Chiefs ambassador currently. Uh, so it's a little bit disappointing from that perspective for him to be able to, you know, finally get an opportunity to see his son play in Arrowhead the first time in his career that they've come to Kansas City. And unfortunately, he won't be in the game for them. For us, it's, you know, you never wish injury on anyone. But if it's uh, you, know, you don't have to worry about Tyler Lockett and game playing for him uh, makes it just a tad bit easier. Yep, absolutely. So the Seahawks were part of the NFC, or I'm sorry, the AFC West from 1977 to 2001 before the league realigned with the expansion and the addition of the Houston Texans. That shifted things around a little bit. The Chiefs lead the series 33-19 and 19 all time. However, in our last meeting, almost a year ago to this date, it is a year ago to this date, because we're releasing this one on Friday, recording earlier in the week, um, December 23rd, 
2018, four years ago to this date, Seahawks beat us 38-31. That was when they had Russell Wilson. They were all uh, – they were a lot better back then. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um now Russell's uh, shitting down his leg in Denver and, you know, Smith has been showing out for Seattle. So, you know, we'll see, we'll see how everything pans out. Seattle just a half game back from the seventh seed and um, you know, the chiefs, they've got a lot of play for in this one as well. The bills we're battling with them for the one seed Bengals are hot on our tail and the bills, they get to play Chicago. We have to face a much tougher team in the Seattle Seahawks this week. So making sure that, uh, you know, they don't widen the gap on us is going to be critical. And we need to take care of these guys this week for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, we got to, you know, we've, we've said it a couple of times the last couple of weeks, well, we have to play up to our speed and not play down to the competition. Mm-hmm. So um, just got to come out there and play solid Chiefs football. But that kind of leads us into the Chiefs. Um, keys to victory here, Dan. Um, number one, limit the penalties. Play disciplined football. Mm. Create turnovers, but don't have turnovers. Discipline football. Easy. 100%. We have a minus six turnover differential, I believe is what it is last I looked. Um, that's something that needs to get cleaned up. And this defense has been, even though they're missing a key guy in in Jamal Adams in that secondary, they've still been able to create turnovers, especially with their rookie corner, Tariq Woolen. He's been a stud this year. The emergence of their linebackers, uh, Jordan Brooks, and um, a few of those other guys that they have on that defense, they've really been playing well. So, you know, trying in that game with a positive turnover differential, cut that down a little bit as a whole. And we mentioned it earlier this year, early in the show even, we've been kind of an undisciplined team and we need to make sure that those penalties don't come through and forcing Geno Smith out of the pocket, I think is the final key there, right? Making him feel pressure, making him make mistakes and generating turnovers off of those mistakes. So really all three of these points we've mentioned kind of go hand in hand. You know, you made that connection between the discipline and and making sure that we're playing that way uh, from a turnover standpoint, a penalty standpoint, but how do we get those turnovers? It's by forcing that pressure and making him feel uncomfortable and throw some errant throws, yep. especially Absolutely. Tyler Lockett. They're going to be forcing the ball to DK a little bit more, I think. Yeah, it would be interesting to see what Spag's game plan is going into this because we saw last week he went blitz heavy first half um, and then kind of really reeled off that um, going into the second half and just sent the, the front four. So um, it'll be interesting to see if he lets Willie Gay and Nick Bolton kind of rover, but send the house and uh, see if he can see if he can get Gino out of the pocket and then let those two guys make some plays on him. Right. And something you have to be concerned about too with the blitz is a lot of times you blitz those guys and they can break off fat runs and they have a pretty solid run uh, running back in Kenneth Walker who's now healthy and everyone knows Pete Carroll loves running those running backs and getting that play action going. Uh, So, you know, I think Spags is going to blitz. I mean, that's just the bottom line. He loves to do, loves to send the nickel. He loves to send the safety and get those guys back there. And then maybe even shoot Leo Chanel and, and uh, Bolton back there as well. And the corner blitz is like a given each game. Yeah. But 
<laughs> but getting four man pressure on those other downs is going to be critical. It really is, man. And getting Brandon Williams involved. Brandon Williams has been awesome so far. He's already got a sack and a half, I think, in his last two games. And, uh, you know, letting him do what he does, he does in the run game. He's getting more comfortable in our scheme. Colin Saunders has been playing really well, uh, getting those guys involved in those early downs for those running game, running plays and, and seeing them execute is going to be a big, big help for us for sure. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a good game. Um, I've, I've never watched Geno Smith play football um, live, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, mm-hmm. I want to say I was at the Seattle game when Russ was here last time. So um, looking forward to a Chiefs win with Seattle in town. And uh, some solid Chiefs football, man. Yeah, me too. I'm ready to get out there. Um, so, Trey, C11, we're doing soup. What are you bringing? I don't know. Strato and I are talking about making our, making some soup as well. Um, I'm not sure what he's thinking. He said he had some deer in the fridge and needs cooked. So that sounds pretty good to me. I don't know how yeah. everybody else feels about some venison, but um, what they don't know won't hurt them, right? A deer chili kind of sounds fire. Yeah, it does sound good, man. I would be a player on that 100%. Yeah, we might make that one happen. Yeah, your boy's bringing some uh, some of Dad's pozole. So uh, it's going to have some uh, some pork, some hominy, and a nice red broth with some lime and onions, baby. Oh, that sounds damn good. Yep, we're going to do it up, so... I'm looking forward to it. Wear your layers. If you're going out to the cheese game, come visit us at C11. We've got food. We've got drinks. You just pitch in a little bit to help cover those costs. And, uh, you know, the rest is the rest is up to you. We'll have a tent with some heaters, too. So, Trey, that's all we got for the show. You got anything else for the people? No, sir. Let's sign off. I'll see everybody on Saturday. Let's get it, baby. Let's cheese.